Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. So there's a theme verse that goes with this light in the darkness um, series that we're in. It comes from Hebrews chapter 12, and it says this, Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race that we're in. Now, I love that. I love that because that tells me that Jesus identifies with me and identifies with the race that I am in. So since he ran what we, the race that we run, since he's been through it, he, he can, we can now say, you know, we, we can study how he did it. How did Jesus go through this? How did Jesus navigate the water? So we can achieve some level of success in our life's race. It goes on to say, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. One translation says that he is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and me right now. Now what that means is he's talking to God and he's saying, he's saying Father, I've been where they are. I know what that's like. I've gone through that. I experienced that temptation. This is the help they need. This is what we need to do for them. That's one of the things that we're told in Scripture. So what we're doing is we're taking the seven statements of Jesus, which, by the way, you would not go to one of the four Gospels and find all seven of the sayings of Jesus in one Gospel. You you have to look at all four Gospels, and if you're new to church and you don't really know what a Gospel is, the Gospels are the four accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, some of them are eyewitness accounts. Some of them are accounts of people who, who interviewed other people and then wrote down what they learned. Um, one of them is uh, where they, they basically, we think they interviewed Mar- uh, Peter, and, and they wrote down what Peter had said. Um, but so what, what happens is each one of those guys tells the story of Jesus, but the same way that if you were going to tell a story, like if we took four people out of this congregation to, to write a story about, let's just say, you know, uh, one of our elders' lives. And you were going to study that elder's life and you were going to write a story about them. Um, when you did your study and you started to write out your things, things would stand out to you that maybe didn't stand out to another person who was writing the story. And your perspective, you know, what you would write would come from your perspective. It would come from, from your experience. It would come from, the, like, if you grew up without a, a dad or if you grew up without a mom and you found out that the elder had grown up the same way, you would probably highlight that. That would be a big deal to you. And you might talk about that, whereas somebody else might not identify that as something big to talk about at all. And so what happens is they're, they're, the Gospels are kind of hit and miss. Certain things are covered in one and they're not necessarily covered in another. And so what I've brought along with me today is, is a book that you can order. You can go to the Christian bookstore and get this. I think Amazon probably has this. Um, it's, it's called A Harmony of the Four Gospels. And if you're somebody who's trying to build a library of study books, this is one that you would want to have. Because what this does is it lays all four gospel accounts out for you at the same time, and you can see what they each say about a specific story. And sometimes you'll see where, oh, Matthew talks about this, but Mark doesn't talk about this. And so it's just a tool for you to use, and I brought one along just to show you what it looks like. And so the very first thing that he says, when he's been hoisted into place, he's being crucified, he's bleeding, he's in excruciating pain, he's going through all this, punished for something that he did not do. There's no, you know, he doesn't deserve this. 
He, he's taking our punishment on himself. He's being punished for all of mankind. It's all being laid on him. And last week, Jim Hansen uh, looked at this phrase that he said, the first thing that he said from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they really don't know what they're doing. And Jim did a great job talking about forgiveness and weight in the pack and um, uh, you know, this idea that when you do that and the, you, you shine a light into darkness, it it's a, was a wonderful message. I would encourage you to go back and listen to it if you haven't. One of the things we learned was when you're going through a bad day, one of the things that really helps you get through bad days is to forgive the people who have hurt you. To just go ahead and cleanse your heart and cleanse your mind. Uh, I'm just telling you, when you can unburden yourself, that's a good thing. And forgiveness is one of those ways that you, you can unburden yourself. And I, I'll just tell you that any time I've ever preached on forgiveness, um, you know, congregations give off body language. I don't know if you know that or not. But when I get up here and say, hey, we're going to talk about this, I can, sometimes I can just see the walls go up, right? Like when I start talking about forgiveness and you've got somebody that you're mad at and you really don't want to forgive, I can just automatically see the walls go up. I can see some of you, you don't actually do it, but I can almost see you going, mm-mm, mm-mm, nah, I'm not doing it. When that happens, you really need to perk your ears up because you're probably the one that needs to hear that message the most because you have been so burdened and you've, you're carrying this backpack around, it's got all these weights in it, and, and you're not going to make progress the way you really could until you unburden yourself and you forgive the people that are necessary. It's a cleansing thing. And the lesson uh, is a very important step in the process as we try to navigate bad days. And that's what light in the darkness is all about, is trying to help us get through. We're all going to have bad days. How do we get through those bad days? What are the, the things that Jesus said from the cross are things that will help us get through the bad days, and get on to something better in life. Today we're going to look at the second of those statements that Jesus makes. And whenever you see Jesus, the scene of Jesus on the cross, you will usually see him between two men. And that is because we're told that Jesus was crucified between two criminals. A lot, sometimes they're referred to as thieves. I don't necessarily know that they were thieves, although it's likely. Um, but we know that they were criminals. There was a cr criminal element about them. We know that they deserved to be there. They were probably not great guys. They probably were lifelong uh, rabble-rousers and just, you know, who knows how they grew up and, and what made them what they were, but they were people that, they weren't good men. And it, it's gotten so bad. Listen, normally if you got crucified, you had done something pretty bad that that uh, they were trying to make an example of you. And so these two guys are crucified on either side of Jesus. And in Luke chapter 23, we read this in verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now here's what I love about that statement. You would think that Jesus on the cross has, is incapable of helping anybody do anything. I mean, when your feet are pinned to, the, to a tree and your hands are outstretched and pinned to a tree, you can't help anybody else. You're in no position to be able to offer anybody else any kind of help in their struggle. But here's Jesus in the middle of his 
really bad day. I think we could all say, if you're being crucified, that's a pretty bad day. And here's Jesus in the middle of all that, offering help, offering support, trying to help a fellow struggler as they're going through their bad day. He realizes he's got somebody who's really in a hard spot, and Jesus reaches out to him, even from the cross. And now he is going to teach us something that is really, really helpful. And I just want to stop right here and say this works. This works in an amazing way. Help others who are experiencing the same thing that you struggle with. Helping people with something that you struggle with is very helpful for you. I I just cannot even tell you how many times I have had a chance to help somebody else with something that I was struggling with. And when I help them, it's like, you know, you start listening to yourself and like, well, that's, Brett, that's pretty good advice. Why don't you take that? <laughs> Why don't you use that, that particular piece of advice? It's a powerful principle that all of us can learn that when we're going through it, if we would just be the light for somebody else, right? If you would just shine the light that you have on somebody else and their struggle and try to be, offer them the, the illumination from your light so that things might be better for them. And instead of focusing so much on ourselves, if we can find somebody else that we can help, somebody else that we can touch, I'm just telling you, this works. When you become the light, there are three things that this is gonna do for you in your life. Three things are gonna happen. A, it distracts us from our own needs. When you try to shine your light on somebody else and their problem and kind of forget what's going on with you for a while, One of the things that happens is you're just going to get distracted. Have you ever noticed how when you're going through something, how blinded you can be to the solution to your own problem? But when somebody else is going through it, it's like you can see plain as day what they need to do. You you can see it. it It's it's like, well, you know, that's really not that big a deal. If they would just do this, that, that problem goes away. Here's what you need to do. It's so easy. Just do this, this, and this. Because pain blinds us. I have had counseling situations. I've been with, with uh, you know, where I'm talking to a couple and they're just, they're struggling. And, and I can see clearly what their issue is. And I'm just, I'm thinking to myself, come on, guys, this, this is not that hard. Can't you see what the problem is? Can't you see that if you would just address this one thing and if both of you would just be a little less selfish and, you know, address this from this standpoint and not be so harsh? And can't you just see that this, this really wouldn't be that big of a deal? but they just can't see what to do. It's really important for us to live a life that is not just focused on us, and that tends to be our default mode. Um, There is a constant drift. No matter how much you try to be about other people, there's always going to be a constant drift to come back to focus in on your life. It's a problem for churches. One of the problems that we have as a staff and elders is to make sure that we do not drift away from being others-focused from being community focused. It would be really easy to just think about, well, what do the cross lane people want? What do the cross lane people need? And we want to address your needs, but we're always thinking about people who are far from God, who are out in our community, who need help. And so we always want to make sure that our focus is more others focused than it is focused on us. But there's always this pull, this gravitational pull to settle in and to focus in on your life and what you've got going on in your world. And, and what happens is, as you help somebody else, often it sheds light on your situation. And it illuminates things for you in such a way that you go, oh, there's the answer. You know, I've been struggling with this for so long, and now I'm helping them, and I'm seeing how that helps me. See, here's the, here's the third thing that happens. 
Um, did I skip one? I did, didn't I? See, that's what happens when I get really excited. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Okay, second thing that happens whenever we help others, it helps us find the solution. That's where I was. That's where I was. Helps you find the solution. You, you, you look at it and you go, wow. I, I, you know, had I not helped them, I wouldn't have noticed that. I wouldn't have seen that. I wouldn't have put that together. But, but because I shined my light into their darkness, wow, that helps me in some way. Okay, now we go to the third thing. Third thing is it allows us to put everything in perspective. See, here's the problem. Usually when you're having a bad day or a, a bad time, you kind of think that, that the whole thing is worse than it really is. And your theme song becomes, nobody knows the struggle I've seen, right? You become Eeyore. Everybody's out to get you. It's, it's you know, the world's stacked against you. You ever have one of those days where it starts off, you go to pick up your keys and drop them on the floor? You bend down to pick up your keys and you hit your head on the countertop? You know, you go a little further and you, you go to grab something and it breaks in your hand and you're, you're like, oh, this is what kind of day it's going to be, right? Like it's just going to be one of those days and you're going through it and it's just like, man, everything that can go wrong seems to be going wrong. It's easy for us in these kind of situations to begin to think to ourselves, I must be the only person who's experiencing this kind of thing. That, that's really very common. When people come to talk to me, they think, that what they're going through is unique to them. They don't understand that I've talked to 20 people who are going through that exact same thing, uh, almost identical. And they, they think to themselves, well, nobody else understands this. Nobody else would, would, would go through this the same way I am and would be having the same problem. And that just simply is not true. The truth is, it's usually not as bad as we think it is. And we're a whole lot more blessed than we realize. And if you think I'm lying, this is what I would tell you. And I, I give this advice all the time when I do counseling. People come in, they say, Brett, you know, I don't think I need to go see a therapist or anything like that. I don't think I need medicine, but I'm just a little depressed. I'm just not, I'm just struggling a little bit. My advice is always the same. Get your mind off yourself and go do something for somebody else. Go find somebody to serve and serve them. Go to a, go to a hospital and spend some time praying over somebody that's sick in a hospital. Go to a nursing home and sit and let, just let some old person tell you their story. Just let them talk. You, you'd be amazed what you'd learn. You'd be amazed how cool old people are. Um, you'd be amazed the things that you pick up that you're like, hey, that, I'll put that in my pocket because that'll work for my life. Go to, a, go to a hospice center where someone is not going to be with us much longer and spend some time with them. Go on a mission trip with Tracy and see some people who don't have things nearly as good as you have them. And what's going to happen is you're going to see things that will break your heart. You will see things in a whole new perspective, and you'll come away from that, and what you're going to say is, you know what, things are not as bad for me as I thought they were. And you will come home, and you will be a better husband or wife. You will be a better son or daughter, brother or sister. You will be a better student, a better teacher. You will be a better Bible studier and Bible reader, you will be a better prayer, you will be a better everything. You'll come back and say, man, I have it so good. Because you went and looked somewhere else and realized that there were other people that weren't doing nearly as well as you were doing. There is great value when you're going through something yourself to discipline yourself to get out and see what other people are going through. Now, I've had days where I've had like a full counseling slate. 
Usually I'll, I'll set, stack those up in the afternoons. And I've had days where I started at noon and didn't get done until about 5 o'clock, where I was just talking to different people that were going through things and having problems, and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to help them. And, you know, so an hour at a time, and you got five of those. And, and um, I've listened to one person talk about what they were going through, and I'm sitting there listening to it, and I'm thinking, good Lord, you got to help me know what to say to them. I don't know how to fix this. I don't, I, you know, I'm as baffled as they are about what this is about and, and how to fix this. And God, you know, you got to show up here and give me some words because I don't know what to do. I mean, the problem is so bad, and it's so deep, and it's so hard that it's, it's a struggle for me to figure out what to do to help them. And then so I'll pray with them, and they leave, you know, and, and then the next person comes in, and they start to download their problem for me. And what I realize is, <laughs> this is easy. I mean, this problem is nearly as bad as the one I just dealt with. I wish I could have had them in here an hour ago so they could heard the other person talking about what their struggles are and what their needs are. Because if they could have heard that, they would realize my problems really aren't that bad. You have no idea how good you've got it until you go someplace else and you see somebody who doesn't have it nearly as good as you. There was a, there was a couple that used to go to church here, and they'd both gone to be with Jesus. His name was Harry. Her name was Pat. Harry and Pat Hollers. And uh, Harry Hollers, was a, he was an older gentleman, and I used to see Harry on Sunday mornings and shake his hand, and he always had a big smile on his face, and um, I just really liked him. They were good friends of mine. And I don't think Harry felt great. I, I think Harry knew that he wasn't going to be with us much longer. He was sick, and everybody knew that he was sick. And, you know, I would see Harry on Sunday morning and shake his hand and say what we always say on Sunday morning. How you doing, Harry? And Harry's response to me one Sunday morning was this. He's shaking my hand. He said, Brett, I'm on the right side of the grass this morning. I was like, you know what? That's a great attitude. That's a great attitude. Here's the guy that, that things aren't going good for him. He didn't need to tell me that he didn't feel well. I knew that, okay? And he knew that I knew that. But his attitude was such, I'm on the right side of the grass today. I heard about a woman who was 91 years old. She'd lived a long time. She'd lived her life for Jesus she had, you know, she was hunched over. She walked very difficultly, and um, she had debilitating arthritis. Her knuckles and her hands were swollen, and um, just one look at her would let you know that, that she did not feel great. And uh, whenever she was asked, hey, how are you doing? She would say, oh, I'm better off than most, right? Oh, I'm better off than most. Listen, you are probably better off than most. And if you're in this room, you're in a warm place, you probably got some groceries in your belly this morning, you drove a car here, you had, you know, you've got some things, if you got a little change in your ashtray or a little money in your pocket and you, you know, your health is good, you've got a lot of things to be thankful for. There are some people in our world that don't have any of those things, and you are better off than most. The perspective is very, very important. When you, when you have that kind of attitude, it's not just a good attitude. It's an attitude where God says, look, I can meet you there. I'll meet you in that kind of attitude. I'll meet you in that space. So when you decide, you know what? In the middle of my struggle, I, I'm, here I am, I'm dying, I'm bleeding, I don't feel good. I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm going to help a fellow struggler. I'm not going to focus on me. I'm, I'm not going to let this become about me. I'm going to make this about somebody else. God sees that, and he says, I like that, and I'm going to meet you in that space. Isaiah 58 says it like this, if, most people don't, but if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry, 
So you need food, but you're not going to focus so much on what you need. You're going to take what you've got, and you're going to give it to somebody else. If you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, now watch this because it doesn't just help them, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday sky. Verse 11, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden. But here's the thing, you're not just watering yourself, you're watering somebody else, but look what happens. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Even though we have needs, we are going to be faithful to others first, and when we do, God says, I like that. I like people who aren't focused on themselves, but they're looking around for somebody else that they can take care of. That's exactly what God does for us. The Bible tells us that God's eyes are constantly looking back and forth for people he can strongly support, those whose hearts are completely his. He says, if you will seek first my kingdom and everything that I'm about and my righteousness, I'm going to add to you everything that you're ever going to need. I will take care of your needs. Now, I don't know about you. I'll just tell you about me. I would a whole lot rather God take care of me than me take care of me. Because I know that when God's taking care of me, Every need I have is going to be met. I want Cross Lane to be a place where we don't focus on ourselves, but we're focused on the needs of other people. And at Cross Lane, we're trying to help you help others because we know that when you help others, others will get help and you will get help. So it's a win-win situation. Everybody's getting helped. When you help someone else, that's instantly going to lift you. It's instantly going to make things better for you. When you have a life focused not on yourself but on others, it helps you. Second Corinthians says this, all praise to God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us along someone else, alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. When we suffer for Jesus, it works out for your healing and salvation. If we are treated well, given a helping hand and encouraging word, that also works to your benefit, spurring you on face forward, unflinching. Your hard times are also our hard times. Paul says, look, I get it. I go through that stuff too. I understand what you're going through. And then he follows it up with this. When we see that you're just as willing to endure the hard times as to enjoy the good times, we know you're going to make it. No doubt about it. We are called by God to come alongside fellow strugglers, and when you do, it's going to help you in a huge way as well. And you're thinking, okay, so Brett, you've convinced me. You know, you've talked about this. I'm going through something hard. I hadn't really thought about this from the standpoint that if I help somebody else, it might help me. So, uh, Brett, I want to do that. I want to help somebody else, but how do I do that? Well, it's always done in one of a couple of ways. Uh, Either you're going to do it through your, your gifts and passions, and so what I would tell you is that God... When God made you, he put inside you something that we call spiritual gifts. When God made you, everybody got some form of spiritual gift. He put it inside you. 
And it's there, and it's waiting to be used for God's glory. But here's the tragedy. 87% of the church is unaware of what their spiritual gift is. Now, I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to publicly ask how many of you know what your spiritual gifts are, but I'm guessing that that number would be pretty close in this room. If I were to ask how many of you know what your spiritual gifts are, I have a feeling that only about 13% of you would raise your hand. Most people don't know what it is, and that's a tragedy because if you don't discover what your spiritual gifts are, you don't get a chance to do it, and if you don't do it, you don't get the help that comes from doing it. So there's a purpose in our gifts and passions. There's a purpose in our spiritual gifts. Um, And just let me say that when you are dispatching your spiritual gifts, it's the same, it's like watching a bird, you ever watch a bird fly through the sky and think to yourself, man, they just make that look so easy. Well, of course, because they've been given wings, specifically designed to carry them through the atmosphere and to fly the way they do. And I, you know, I just love watching birds fly. It's just, you you see them, they're, they're nimble and quick, some of them, and It's just amazing. Some of them can use the wind and hover in place for a while. And, um, you know, on the beach, I I get fascinated by the pelicans and the pelicans that swoop down right close to the ocean. I just love watching birds fly. And they're using the gifts that God has given them to specifically do what they do. You ever watch a fish move through the water and you think, man, they just, they make that look effortless. Well, of course, they've been given gills and and fins that, 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 that just make water like air for us. It's, it's, their, it's, what God, it's the way God designed them. Now, here's what I would tell you. God has given you something that you can do that's just like that, that when you use it and you do it, it, it just comes naturally to you. You don't even have to think about it, right? Like some of you, if, if we told you you were going to stand up here and preach on Sunday morning, it would wig you out, right? Like you're like, I'm not doing that. It's part of what God has gifted me to do. I don't get nervous about it. I don't get afraid. I'm not back in the back going, oh, you know, I got to go out there and talk to those people. And oh, my goodness. No, this is kind of like my living room. This isn't really all that hard for me. But now if you ask me to do what Tracy does and organize something, oh, my goodness. How, how in the world am I going to get these people? To, how am I going to organize that? I mean, anybody that knows me knows we're not letting Brett organize anything right? Like that's just going to end in a disaster. So here's what I would tell you. We've taken steps so that you can know what your spiritual gift is. If you will go to our website, if you will go to your app, hopefully you've got the app on your phone now, the Crosslane app, there's a little box on our app now where you can pull it up and it's, it asks you, it's, it's, it talks about spiritual gifts. A spirit, you can take a spiritual gift assessment where at the end of that, when you answer some questions, it will come back and it will kind of help you to know this is what God made you for. This is, this is what your affinities are. This is what you're good at. These are, these are the things that God wants to take and use for his kingdom. One of my spiritual gifts is encouragement. I, I just, I, I love to encourage other people. I spend a lot of time writing notes of encouragement to other people. And some of you have that same gift because I've gotten notes from you. So whatever, there's, there's like a, I don't know, there's probably 20 different spiritual gifts that, that God has put out there that you can use, and when you use it, God benefits, you benefit, the people that um, you're using your gift for or on, they benefit from it. So find out what your spiritual gifts are, okay? Use your gifts and passions. That's one of the ways that you can help other people. The second way 
is this, God will use your mess-ups. Okay, God uses your failure. He uses those places that you don't want to talk about and those things that you're ashamed of. And when it comes up, you just hang your head and you hope nobody finds out. Some people disqualify themselves from being used by God because they look at their resume and they see something on their resume that they wish wasn't there. And they're like, oh, that, that's just such a blemish. That's such, such a dark spot and it's such a dark time in my life. And they say, there's no way God could use this. And I'm just telling you, no, that's why you're qualified. My, I had a memory come up on Facebook this week and about a year ago, and many of you were very kind to, to post some really beautiful thoughts on, that, on this post that I made, but I had found my uh, certificate of ordination. I was going through some files about a year ago, and I came across my certificate of ordination, and I just started looking at it, and it's signed by about five or six men who have been just huge influences in my life. And uh, most of them are still alive. And I just, I was looking at my ordination certificate, I was thinking about, you know, 30 really 35 plus years of ministry, um, all the people that I've been around and had a chance to have, be in relationship with and the things God's allowed me to do and the, these men that laid their hands on me and sent me into ministry and, and um, you know, people commented on that. And some of you said some beautiful things, but there's a friend of mine who's also in ministry and he, he under the post, he wrote, yeah, Brett, I get it. One of the things I constantly say is God uses me God can even use me? Yes, that's the truth. God can even use you. Listen, um, if you're somebody that has overcome addiction, what better person than to help somebody else overcome addiction than you? If you've navigated that water in some way and you've been successful, is there a better person that we could give to somebody that's struggling with that particular thing? If, if you were once upon a time a, a young, unwed, pregnant teen confused, lost, scared, not knowing what to do, and, and you know, you've now grown up and, and you, know, you probably have a son or a daughter from that, and, and you think to yourself, boy, you know, that's not really the way I would want that to have been done, but who else would I go get to talk to someone who comes to me and says, Brett, I've got this problem, I'm not married, I'm 15 years old, and I've got a baby growing inside me. Who else would I go get but somebody who has been through that and say, you need to talk to them? They can help you with this. They, they've been there. They've done that. Listen, don't disqualify yourself because of some mess up in your life. It's your ministry. It is what qualifies you to be used of God. We've got this idea that we've got to be perfect somehow to, work, to worship God and to, to serve God. I'm just telling you, if you're waiting on perfection to serve God, you are going to wait forever. It's never going to happen. That'll be the excuse you'll use for your whole life. Well, I'm just not good enough. I'm, I'm, just not, I'm just not good enough. God takes your pain and he takes your mess up and he puts purpose in it. And he uses you in your struggle and in the struggle of somebody else. I don't know about you, but I get a little nervous when I talk to somebody who looks perfect. You ever seen those people? They, they seem perfect. They seem like the perfect Christian they do everything right. They just, they don't ever seem to mess up. They've got all their stuff together and they just look perfect. Listen, when you look that perfect, I'm, I'm giving you the stink eye. I need you to walk with a limp. I, I need to know something's not quite right with you. I need to know that you struggle just like everybody else struggles. Here's what I can tell you in, in my 
I mean, I've been around a while now, and my vast experience now in ministry, what I can tell you is it's always been the people who acted like they had it all together and didn't have any problems were the ones that were causing problems for everybody else and sometimes for me. I need to know that you've got something going on with you that you can't quite, I need you to be honest. I need you to say, Brett, I struggle with this. I'm not perfect. I don't get this right. You know, if you ever, um, I'm not really a big MMA guy, like these fighters, these kickboxer types. I mean, it's, it's kind of cool until the blood starts flowing, and I'm like, ooh, I don't like that. But one thing I've noticed about MMA fighters, if you ever see their picture or if you ever see them fighting, one, one of the things I want you to pay attention to are their ears. You ever notice the ears of an MMA fighter? They're all cauliflowered. Right? They're all jacked up. You know why? Because they've gotten in the ring and they've grappled with somebody. And th- those ears have all been messed up because they're, they're, they've had you know, arms and fists to the head and to the ears. And their ears are just a mess. Well, what that tells you is that's a scar. That proves they've been in battle. That, you know, the, that their body isn't perfect is testimony to the fact that they've lived life. Listen, at the end of your life, at the end of my life, here's what's going to happen. My vision of me standing before God when I'm finally done is me standing there going, <sighs> having busted my tail. Did I do it perfect? No. Anybody who knows me will testify I didn't do it perfect. Plenty of places in my life that I would look at and go, man, I wish I could take that away. I wish I could change that. I wish that wasn't part of my story. But I I say this all the time. It's usually those things that God allows me to take captive to the obedience of Christ and say, listen, this has been my experience. This is what I did. I know it was stupid. I know I wasn't thinking right. But this is what led me there. This is what I've learned. This is what God has shown me in my struggle. And this is what God wants to show you. Listen, you've got issues, I've got issues, all God's children got issues, right? If you think you don't have any issues, that's probably your issue. If you think you don't have any issues, keep your distance. I mean, I'm more worried about that than I am COVID, okay? Just keep your distance. The beautiful thing about God is that he takes our bad days and he turns them into something that can be used for good. He'll take that place where you hurt the most, And he will help other people with that. I want to take you to the second statement that Jesus made. You're thinking, oh, dear Lord, he's just getting started. No, I'm almost done. I am. I'm almost done. I'm going to take the second statement that Jesus makes from the cross. It's really simple. It's really short. I'm going to break it down into three really quick things, okay? Verse 23, verse uh, Luke 23, verse 43 says this. Jesus said to him, he's talking to this, this criminal on the cross, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now let's take that and let's break it down and dissect it into three things. Here's the first thing. Offer them stability. Offer them stability. Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you. It's like Jesus is saying, man, if I know anything, I know this. (laughs) Assuredly, I know this. You say, Brett, what's that about? Listen, people need something solid because the world we live in is so shifting. It's so fluid, and never more so than now with COVID. Am I right? I mean, we, are you just up to here with Zoom meetings and masks and distancing? And, you know, some people won't come back to church, and some people won't go to grocery stores, and uh, some people are, they just, I mean, some of the things I see 
of them trying to protect themselves, I'm just, I shake my head like, really? Um, I mean, it's just, it's a different place. It's a different things. We live in a really unstable environment and there's a lot of uncertainty in our world these days and it just kind of gets to us. But I want to give you um, that one thing that never changes. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is shifting sand. Psalm 40, as you came in this morning, I had you 2 playing for you. Um, I've got that on a loop. You're probably sick of hearing it by now because it's the only song we heard this morning. But I wanted you to hear that. And basically what that song is, is, is U2, which is a great band. They take Psalm chapter 40 and they took the lyrics of it and they made a song. And this is, these are the lyrics. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. That's what we do for each other. I don't know the answer to your problem, but I can lead you to a book. I can lead you to the Bible. I can lead you to Jesus. I can lead you to a God that does not change. Culture changes. God doesn't change. In the midst of everything going haywire, on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. Stability. Here's the second thing. Offer them support. Offer them support. Today, you will be with me. Jesus says, not only am I going to encourage you, I'm going to go on the journey with you. I'm not just going to send you. I'm going to go with you. People need support. That's why we have life groups. That's why we hawk them like we do. Like, that's why I want you in a life group. You need some people around you. You need some people to, to walk with you. You need to know that you're not alone. You need to know you're, you're not the only imperfect person. Listen, you spend some time in life group, you're going to figure out they're all jacked up. These people are all jacked up. That's why I want you coming to church. Now listen, we've gone through the COVID thing. We shut down for a while. We did online stuff. One of the things that's happened, and I'm, this is a nationwide, worldwide thing. I've talked to enough people in other places to know this. People have just kind of used this as, well, I'm just going to watch TV on my, I'm just going to watch it from home. I don't really need to go to church anymore. I've, I've learned through COVID that I don't need to go to church. I can just watch it online. I'm just telling you, we're offering it online for a little bit longer, but that's going to change eventually because I don't want to allow people to just say, well, I'll just stay home and watch it at home. No. You need the church. You need to come together. You need to pray with other people. You need the support of other people. You need to sing and lift your voice and praise with other people. I, I tell, you know, people come to me and they say, Brett, do I really need to go to church? Can't I just follow Jesus and not go to church? Well, you can. You can, but just let me ask you this question. I'm going to send you to a foreign country to be a fighter, a soldier. You want to go by yourself or do you want to go with an army? I want to go with an army. That's what this is. This is the army. This is where you come in. You've got people around you, people who have your back, people to lock arms with you and say, I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to support you. If you stay at home and you just watch this on your television, you do not get that. And that's an important thing. Ecclesiastes says this, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. When you get around godly people, God is going to make sure that not all of you are going through hard times at the same time. There's usually somebody that's doing okay, and they can come alongside and say, listen, I got you. I'll carry you for a while, okay? You're, I'm doing better than you right now. Let me take care of you. I got your back. Everybody needs that. Every one of us need that. Stability, a solid place. 
support. I don't know what the answer is to your problem, but I'm going to walk with you through it. And then Jesus said this, this is number three, not only will you be with me, but you'll be with me in paradise. We offer them salvation. God can rescue you. You know what the translation, the best translation we have for the word paradise in our language, you know what it is? It's the word resort. Resort. A place to rest. Now, I don't know what you think heaven is, but the literal translation for paradise is resort. When I say, hey, we're going to go to a resort, doesn't that sound pretty good to you? Sounds good to me. Two weeks ago, that's where I was. I was at a, I was, this is where I was. That, that's my, just make you jealous for a minute. That is my view out my sliding glass door off the balcony of my bedroom. That's where I woke up every morning for seven days. And that was not a great day because it was overcast that day. The rest of the week, it was beautiful. You guys are up here in like 17 degrees, and I'm in Florida at 82. I was like, there is joy in serving Jesus. There really is. But I was, you know, for a time, I had my feet up. I was taking a break. I was resting. I was in paradise. I was in, I was in resort. That's what Jesus offered. Jesus offers this man on the cross something that I need you to hear. He says, look, I know it's tough. I know you're going through a bad day. I'm going through a bad day with you, but heaven's come and hang in there. A better day is coming. The Bible talks about heaven in a completely different way than we do. We have become oriented to seeing heaven as this place where, um, you know, we just expect God, we just expect God to fix everything in the here and now. I got a problem, God, fix it. Fix the problem. Fix it now. And many times he does just that. Many times he fixes the problem. Sometimes he does not fix the problem. And that's when we go a little sideways. He says, not here, not now. But a better day is coming. I'm going to fix it in another day, in another place. I'm not going to fix that here. Jesus was constantly redirecting our focus to another place. John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. You need to know that God sent Jesus to take away your sins. God sent Jesus to rescue you. His power does work for our now situations, and if you're in the dark today, I will stand with you in the dark and try to shine my flashlight for you with a light so that you can ask God for a solution. But I've got something better for you. In just a little while, we are going to a better place. In just a little while, we're going to go to a place where there is no more crying, no more sighing, no more cancer, no more life insurance, no more covid can I get a better amen? No more COVID. How about this for a better amen? There, we're going to go to a place where the hot Krispy Kreme light sign is always on. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? That's amen right there. You just need to be reminded that we are passing through. This is not permanent. And yes, life is difficult. And we know some of you, I know some of you are going through some very difficult things right now. I understand I want to close with this. Jesus offers us more than a better now. He does offer that. He offers a better now. He does offer that. But Jesus offers us a better place. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be indescribable. It's going to be something that I, you know, Dee Dee 
talks to me and she says, Brett, you don't talk enough about heaven. And, and my response is always the same. I don't, I mean, I know what Revelation says about heaven, but I think that's all like hyperbole and, you know, it's like some, somebody trying to paint the picture of something. You ever tried to describe something that's indescribable? And I don't talk a lot about heaven in terms of what it's going to be like and look like and feel like because I really don't know. All I know is it's going to way surpass anything. Your best day on earth is your worst day in heaven, okay, if there is such a thing. The best thing I can offer you today is salvation. God loves you and he cares about you and he wants to do a work in you. But what you've got to do is you've got to humble yourself enough to say, you know what, I am a sinner. And I need Jesus. And to offer yourself up to him and say, Lord, I don't know what it means. I don't know what it looks like. I'm not perfect. I'm a long way from perfect. But I give myself to you. And I need your forgiveness. And if you've never done that, that's a conversation that we need to have. I would love to talk to you about that. Get with me. Talk. Come up, Brett. Talk to me about that. I'd love to have that conversation. The rest of you, when you're going through your bad day, shine your light on somebody else. Use your gifts and passions. Let's pray together. Father, we got people all over the place in the room this morning. Some of them are doing great. Things are going good. Money's good. Health is good. It's all good. We got other people in the room today, Father, and they just drag themselves in here. They've got a smile on their face, but behind that, it's not good. We got some that came this morning. They experienced the unholy hour before the holy hour. And it wasn't good. And they've sat here and they're, they're waiting on you to say something to them that will mean something. And Father, I'm, I'm asking you to take my babbling for 45 minutes and change it into something that's meaningful for them. And then, Father, we got people that walked in here this morning and they have never made a decision to give their life to you. And I pray, Lord, that you would impress upon them that their soul is in peril. And they need to give their heart and soul to you. That that is their only hope. That is the only way they can be saved. That is the only way they are going to know what life truly is. And that you will transform them and change them and make them better. And life will get better. And so, Father, we've come to worship and honor and love you. And as you send us out this morning, I pray, Father, that even in the middle of our hard days, we would be having an eye on somebody else to see who we can help. How can we be generous? How can we come alongside? How can we shine a light into their darkness? Thank you, Father, for loving each and every one of us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.